comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Erwick is gone, the canisters are gone, we've got nothing here. Damn it! are now on a secure channel and ready to listen to 24 the jack and chloe adventure cast this is a podcast focused on the fox television series 24 and its new mini season live another day i am executive mail clerk aaron newworth writer for why so blue and the host of the film podcast out now with aaron and abe and with me also from why so blue and the naptown nerd special agent brandon peters that's me and from cinema maxwell it's senior director maxwell haddad i'm here as well the events of this podcast occur in real time. All right, here we are. We got a we got a big episode today because it is the uh, we're recapping this week because it, it was the 200th episode of 24. So uh, what 6 p.m. to uh, 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Still no time jump. So I'm curious where we'll go. Maybe. In- yeah, that's um something I, I definitely have wanted to discuss tonight. I came across a very vague sort of article slash interview with the showrunners this season, and they said, "Don't worry." There will be a time jump, but I'm not giving it away. And this interview was, like, done this week, so I'm very curious to see. Like, I, I have a feeling we're going to jump, like, a lot of hours and then come back for, like, a like a epilogue. It's like every, everyone sleeps. <laughs> it gets to, like, 1 a.m. They're like, you know what, guys? I'm pretty tired. You're like, you're right, Jack. I'm going to go to sleep, too. I'll see you in the morning. End of episode. (laughs) If the time jump is used properly, uh, particularly for this show, it could be structurally quite audacious. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it's integrated, especially if it happens like halfway through an episode. Oh, that'd be cool. It wouldn't be the first show this season to have a significant time jump halfway through a season. For sure. Or an episode, I mean, halfway through an episode. We'll see about that for now. Let's get to the the synopsis for this week's episode. Max, do you want to take that one? I'd love to. Jack Bauer and President Heller endure the unthinkable to thwart the terror attacks of Margal Al-Harazi. Meanwhile, Jordan faces a life-or-death struggle, and Kate takes drastic measures to track down Margot before it's too late. Yeah, well, uh, we'll get to what those drastic measures uh, involve, but it does lead to one of my favorite Jack Bauer quotes of all time, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, we'll get there. A few, uh, few things first. Let's uh, get to some show notes, because we have one in particular that I want to read. We have an email. We got an email from a listener. Oh. Um, this one's from Philip. It's uh, It says, Dear Adventure Casters, which I like already. That's uh, That's good. Um, first off, let me say that this is a great companion podcast. I love the interest and enthusiasm that you guys have for the show, and the fun y'all have is very contagious. The same applies for the amazing Ichapod Cranecast. Thanks for that. After episode six, I got to thinking about how bad Simone's day has been. First off, she murdered her boyfriend in the ear, then her mom chopped her finger off. After that, she saw her mom shoot her husband in the head in close range. Uh, just when things started looking up for Simone, she did... And she didn't think she'd have to murder her sister-in-law. She ended up killing her anyway an accident in front of her niece. And if all that wasn't bad enough, she gets killed by a double-decker bus. Get hit, sorry, gets hit by a double-decker bus to top it all off. Hands down, Simone has had the worst day of anyone this season. And I even think she has a spot on the short list of worst days ever in the 24 series history. Are there any other characters you can think of who have had a day worse than Simone's been so far? 
Uh, we'll answer that question in a second. A last thought. I think someone suggested on the podcast before, but I, if I, I think if Jack Bauer were to die or retire for real, the show could totally carry on with Kate Morgan leading the way. Episode six showed me a lot of her character, and I think this is very worthy of Jack's <laughs> that that she is very worthy of Jack's man purse. Thanks for the show. <laughs> Thanks for the show. You guys rock, Philip. Yeah, P.S. Is it me or does the Russian guy with the facial hair look like a Wes Anderson character? <laughs> um, thank you, great Philip. email. Yeah, that's a great email. Um, couple questions there, so let's go with that first one he asked. Who has had the worst day other than Simone in 24 history, you think? Terry Bowers had a pretty bad day. Terry Bauer, yeah. Kidnapped, forced her, did some sexual deeds to gain favor, to hopefully help herself escape, lost her daughter, thought she died, lost her memory, then eventually died. A lot of, a lot of things there. While pregnant. While pregnant, yes. It was pretty bad because she had to deal with, uh, a wild animal and Kevin Dillon. Yeah, Kim Bauer had a, she's had some rough days on the show. Um, what's his name? Tony had a pretty bad day when his, you know, wife died. And, you know, yes. then, then everything else happened. A lot of people have had some really bad days, but I definitely see uh, emailer Phillip's point about sort of the almost absurd amount of terrible, life-changing things that have happened to Simone in a very short period. Yeah, and I think it should be a lesson to all of our listeners. If your mother or father is evil, don't succumb to their manipulation. Call the authorities. Brandon, your point? Uh, I was just saying because of the 12-hour format, it's been pretty intense. Like yeah, everything's been bam, 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 bam. Yeah, compared to some characters that have, you know, a full 24 hours, like Terry, for example, to, you know, suffer, essentially. Simone's had a lot, rather a lot of things put on her plate in only a span of, what, six hours, maybe? So, yeah, rough times. Um, other thing, uh, he suggests that Kate, ba- Kate, Kate Bauer, Kate Morgan could take, uh, take on the show if Jack Bauer were to not continue on. Do you think that's a... Would, would you want to see a TV series called 24 that does not have Jack Bauer in it and instead had Kate Morgan? I would watch that, I, and I. Um, there was a period uh, previous in the series run where I had already sort of come to terms with the show continuing on without Jack Bauer, and that would have been if they had passed the torch to Roger Cross. Yeah. Um, of course, that didn't work out so well for obvious reasons. You know, you get shot in the head, and you can't have a TV show, but I could Not have seen this reality, going, of course. Right. I could have seen them going that route, and I think... Uh, particularly without, you know, hammering the point, you know, too hard, a, a female protagonist, especially one who's already established. And Yvonne Strahovski is a popular and, and pretty talented actress. Could be awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's many characters in the past. I mean, I could have watched a 24 show led by Tony, by Curtis Manning, and by probably uh, Renee up to this point. So definitely Kate would fit that bill. Yeah, personally, I you know I like the series twenty four. I like the format of the show. Jack Bauer is obviously a huge aspect of why I like the series. But if it if twenty four was going to continue, and for whatever reason Kiefer Sutherland wasn't going to be involved in said series, if the you know if the strength of the writing is still there to makes it work, I'd be you know happy to see the show continue in some form. I guess so if I can deal with you know seven James Bonds, I can, <laughs> I can deal. With... <laughs> can deal with another iteration of 24 in some way that being said i would not want them to have someone else play jack bauer oh no yeah i wouldn't want I wouldn't do so well with that no that that's just i don't know if, if you guys are familiar with this little tidbit and even if it's actually 100 tr- percent true but after the first season of 24 from what i understand they knew that they loved the format but they weren't positive they were going to continue on with jack bauer and this set of characters and for a while they toyed with the idea of taking the novel yeah, I think we actually mentioned that at some point on the uh, 
on the podcast. Yeah, it's going to be the same cast, but different, playing different characters. All right, so, um, yeah, I think we've sufficiently replied to this email, but thanks again, Elha Phillip, for the email. And anyone else can email us, feel free, at jcadventurecast at gmail.com. Um, that's, of course, our email. You can leave some messages there, and there's... We'll get to the other ways you can reach us as well, but everything is JC AdventureCast um, in terms of how to reach us in various social media aspects. Uh, last thought here, iTunes reviews and ratings, it would be good to get more of those. I know Philip is actually one of the ones that has re- given us a review on iTunes so far. And if you're listening on iTunes as opposed to the HHWLOD feed, um, we'd be happy to you know receive more because it helps out our show. It helps other people find our show, other people that want to listen to podcasts about 24. So uh, feel free to, to you know leave a simple review or rating. doesn't take very long. It's pretty simple. And uh, one last bit of housekeeping. Last night's episode of 24 had a 1.4 rating point and about 5.5 million viewers. It was the most watched show on the networks, but not the highest rated. Hmm. Interesting. It's interesting that what was once a huge cultural phenomenon is now a mid-rated critical darling, almost. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the season has certainly uh, received nice critical marks across the board for the most part. That's, that is, that is like, that's good, for one thing. <laughs> no, and, uh, yeah, I know. I know you're not saying it's not, uh, but, but especially you know for a much more competitive you know television atmosphere amidst the realm of you know DVR and whatnot. Like it's nice that the show's getting you know ratings as it is, and it's you know being well received by more than just you know people like us that want to do a podcast focused on the series. Yeah, and I think all of those those things speak to the potential for more. You know, I know when they conceived this mini season, it was. You know, finite, but I don't think it was definitively finite, and I could certainly see them, you know, coming with season ten next uh, next summer. It's nice to have a good even number of seasons. Yeah, or maybe even like every couple years they go back and make it. I mean, you know, drop off for a year, build build uh, some uh, demand, and then oh, it's been like two years. Here's another twenty four. Certainly a way to go. I guess we'll see how this season wraps up. I mean, yeah. what potential remains. Yeah, we'll find out. But anyway, let's move on. Let's get to the um, the episode this week, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., the 200th episode. So this one picks up. Uh, Simone's brought back to the CIA. Um, she has basically a brain hemorrhage, and the, the they don't know how – if she's going to be – she's basically she's not going to be stable for a while, it seems. Um, but we'll get back to that. Uh, Margot uh, fills in Ian about what's going on with Heller, how he's basically agreed to – turn himself in um they debate this uh jack gets an update on simone and he's basically like you know i i don't mind her dying <laughs> if i'm gonna get some information out of her um and he'll he'll, he'll double down on that statement later on and we get to there's a big recap on where all these characters are basically so but then we go to jordan who's stranded he he's you know wounded his phone is busted up can't do anything and he's just he's and he still has an assassin on his tail uh, then we get back to Jack, who goes in to see Heller. Heller tells Jack about everything that's going on. Basically, he admits what he's he's spoken to Margot. He shows her the, vi- the video of what's going on. He tells Jack that he has a letter of resignation signed and ready. He's ready to sacrifice himself. He, t- he then Jack obviously is not very pleased with this news. <laughs> and he tells, but Heller tells Jack about his Alzheimer's. Just straight out saying he has Alzheimer's. Jack is still fairly fairly hesitant about this, but is given the details that he needs to basically president want Heller wants Jack to take him over to Wimberley State Wimberley Wimberley right 
Wembley, yeah. Wembley Stadium. And so Jack needs to get the president across town, and he's going to need some help. So that's our first break. So we got, we got a lot of information dumped on us in that one. You're talking about um, usage of uh, the setting being in London. There you go, Wembley Stadium. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Get, get a big identifiable landmark. A lot of the uh, great concerts of all time have been played there, and um, mm-hmm. obviously lots of sporting events as well. Well, Heller certainly rocked the house in this episode with it. <laughs> Oi. I have. I'm having a, a hard time uh, commenting without the full context because so many of my thoughts about what this episode accomplished play into the end result, and I don't want to tip our hand too early. All right. Well, let's just keep moving forward. Um, unless anyone has anything else to say at this point. Didn't think so. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Mark's brought in. He's told about what's going on with Heller. Um, and he is not happy with this, this decision either. Basically, when you have William Devane admitting that he's going to sacrifice himself for the greater good, people aren't going to be very happy with that. You know, presidents killing themselves isn't like a great thing. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll just keep going with the Mark thing. Uh, he's not happy. Eventually, Jack and Mark are put in the same room, and they have to make a plan for how to get the president out. Um, so... Jack lists, like, everything he needs for Mark, which includes schedules for the different Secret Service agents, various supplies he might need. It's just a whole list of everything that Mark and Jack, that, that Jack needs from Mark. They manage to apparently sub- set aside whatever differences that are unnecessary to really go over, but that they have with each other um, for the time being. No, it was funny. It was changing. President gave me orders. That's all I need. Yeah. Pretty much. That's what it is. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. We also get a we also get one of my favorite scenes where um, <laughs> uh, Jack Jack tells Kate about Heller turning himself over and he says the only way to stop that from happening is to get some is to get the information from Simone if possible. Given that Simone is you know currently not conscious and going through a lot, Jack tells Kate to wake the bitch up um, in order to <laughs> um, <laughs> in order to find what they need. Uh, so Kate goes through with that um, and she. Uh, she uh, gets the doc- she gets the doctor to wake Simone up at gunpoint, and Simone gives Kate Simone gives Kate Margot's the, the address, assuming it's the right address, even though they probably they packed up and left at this point. Um, but he also tells her that her husband Naveed has had hit a disc in the floor somewhere in like the basement or the attic or some attic maybe I don't under the floorboards under the floorboards. So Kate sends a tactical team to location in order to find said disc. Last thing before the second break, Heller goes in to see Audrey, which is what we will soon find is the last time that Heller interacts with his daughter and they just kind of have a bonding moment where they look at an old family photo, which was a pretty solid, um, uh, Photoshop job to, you know, have a young, younger yeah. Willem Devane. And, I don't uh, remember young William, William, William Devane looking much like that, but that <laughs> works. I can see like a really, cause I, I, yeah, he always has this kind of gruffer look when it's like yeah. the seven, like the seven, like seventies William Devane. I, I picture a marathon man. That's the movie I picture when I think of like early William Devane. Like family plot. And that's, yeah. Like, or even, um, what's it? Uh, three days of the condor. Like it's, he, uh, he's always has, he always has this kind of gruff seeing him like smiling with a full head of hair is like, all right, I guess I can <laughs> tan with no shirt on like okay. yeah stuff like rolling thunder it just yeah it's, it's a different vein yeah but it's a nice it's a nice moment for sure. <clears throat> i feel like um mark's actions in this episode did a lot for me to forgive him for some of the, the slimier things he did earlier on in the season you know at the end of the day his respect for heller and the office of the presidency is so high that he, you know, serves at the honor of the president. And I thought it was a good uh, final thing for him to do for their relationship. 
Yeah, it's almost a shame that Mark is involved in, you know, other things based on his instinctual need to protect his wife. So now he's embroiled in this Russian plot uh, because Mark, you know, he is, de- is devoted to the president. Also, he has he did also, you know, hide things from the president, which isn't a good thing either. But um, but it's not like the president's ever going to find that out. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really sad. Um, but yeah, so uh, moving on. Uh, Jack, um, we get to Jack preparing to, to take Heller away. Heller, who disguised himself in a very spiffy baseball cap. We yeah, did... really, really solid disguise work there, Heller. It was, it was yeah. nice. It was, it was good. Um, every, every man look that he was going for. <laughs> um, we get uh, over to Navarro, who's contacted by Jordan. Uh, Jordan informs Navarro of the assassin that's following him, and he doesn't know what to do. We get hip to more of what Jordan knows later on, but for the time being, Navarro is. Uh, Navarro's like, all right, you you hang tight, we'll do whatever, and then he like immediately calls the assassin and tells him to get the job done. <laughs> um, we get back to Jack, who's once still preparing to get Heller out of there, which involves then taking a knife to his arm and moving the tracer, the tracker device from his arm. Um, do we know if that's something that our president actually has? He, um. You know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that no, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm just, I thought it was a really interesting touch. I like well, it. I like the Another like, interesting yikes. touch was, uh, yeah, the yikes with the perfume, like a bunch of gushing CG blood, and then Jack just puts a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a nice gash, and it was bleeding, and they just showed Jack just pop a Band-Aid on. Well, yikes. I mean... To be fair, he knows he's taking this guy to his death. Does he really have to spend a lot of time dressing the wound? I don't know. I think Jack Bauer's pretty content on like I'll 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 go through the motions of this, but I can hopefully get you out. I, of I got a, I got a good chuckle from it. I just because <laughs> uh, I, I was live tweeting, I was like I, I wrote yikes. That was <laughs> one of the tweets because it was funny. That was the first thing he said. <laughs> um. So yeah, then we get to Jack sneaking Heller away. Um. They get through pretty much everywhere using their their alien-style motion detector system, uh, followed by a quick Heller distraction. Well, then Jack punches a guy in the face, and Heller's like, wow, Jack, you really got no, something. No, he says, Jesus, Jack! <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, this was the Metal Gear Solid scene of the episode that I was enjoying. And then they get into a helicopter and, uh, and take off. What a great request for the helicopter with no pilot, Bauer. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think it was Jack's first time ever flying a helicopter, but he just naturally knew how to use one. That's he, Jack. he flew one in season three. Brandon, don't don't contradict me. His first time in his first time in eleven years flying a helicopter. Fair enough. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> exactly. It's just you go like... up, you go down. It's all good. And once they're in the helicopter, it does make some nice use of aerial London photography. Yeah, they really they. It seemed like they really wanted to use that that footage because it was like, wow, they're really showing a lot of shots of like just multiple cameras in the same like cross cut sequences of the helicopter flying around well, at Sunset London. It made the whole proceeding kind of uh, really melancholy too. Yeah, I, I agree. It was like this this like chilling march towards what was increasingly becoming clear was an inevitability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get to the. Um next break here and the heller and jack are in the helicopter we get back to jordan and we get all this stuff now so basically jordan gets to do this kind of cat and mouse chase with the assassin um he leads him into some random room assassin walks in doesn't check his corners because why would assassins that are trained to do something like that do that and jordan promptly knocks him out takes his gun takes his other gun then tries to uh, get the assassin to talk he's like i know navarro set me up 
tell, tell me what's going on. Except yeah. way weaker. I'm making it way too gruff. Jordan's not like that at all. Um, <laughs> Assassin, meanwhile, is like... Jordan's pretty whiny. <laughs> yeah. Assassin's, meanwhile, is using the oldest trick in the book of saying, you don't even know how to use that. Is the safety off? And Jordan, of course, stands way too close and then decides to check the safety. Um, Assassin then knocks him out. They get into a scuffle. Uh, Assassin stabs Jordan. Jordan takes another gun and shoots the Assassin with it. And the Assassin guy's dead. Jordan's bleeding. We don't know what his... Uh, fate is at this time he's probably alive right they showed him in the final like you know which which screen we're gonna go to for the end so i imagine he's still his heart's still beating yeah or else there's no he's still alive or else his whole subplot would be for waste anyways yeah Yeah. there's no drama there unless we're having like kate being pulled like way aside to be like where's jordan and she like somehow tries to find him yeah (laughs) and which is just the time waste i found that scene frustrating because at once jordan was really smart because he figured out oh navarro sent me and then he falls for that dumb trick. I completely agree. He has yeah. book smart, so he can use his logic, but he has no common which is well, a pretty well, typical combination. Well, the whole time I'm sitting there like, well, does he know how to... I, he doesn't know how to use the gun. That's what it's going to be. And then he was able to pull one out and just shoot the dude in the end, so... See, he seemed to suggest before he went, that before Navarro sent him, that he had some field training. Yeah. I have to imagine, like most law enforcement agencies, the CIA, even if you are an analyst, you get you have to go through boot camp. I just, it's just a cliche to me. It's just like the guy tells you the safety's not on, then you're yeah. like, huh, is it? And then he checks it, and then of course he gets tacked. Like, it's just the kind of, same kind of thing. I've seen that Definitely. many times. So. Definitely. In a show like this, which has an ending like this one, it's like, really? We got like one of these kind of scenes in here, too. Uh, but anyway, moving on. We get back to that tactical team that Kate sent over at the Al Harazi house, or the AHH, as I call it. And um, they find the, they, they pull up the floorboards, they eventually find the disc. Um, the disc info's sent over. Uh, Kate has the, that info sent by the non-Jordan guy over to Chloe. We get a lot of talk about Chloe. We can finally get some Chloe at the end of this episode, but there's just a lot of, like, yeah, Chloe's uh, standing by, that kind of thing, which is like, come on, we need more Chloe. I guess we'll get her now. Uh, Kate, at this time, is also questioning where Jordan is, since it's like, where is he at? And Navarro just kind of... He, he basically says, oh, it's not like him to be not at his post. Like, So uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, we get back to um, to Margo and Ian discussing what's going on with the, with the president versus the drones and whether or not they can trust the situation. Uh, Margo's putting a lot of faith in what the president's word, which is fair. I mean, DeVoe makes a... Uh, Devane, Devane, DeVoe. Deve- Heller <laughs> makes a good case um, for honesty. I think she's just kind of caught off guard. Like, what? Really? Yeah, well, and, and gets kind of lost with what to do a bit. She takes him at his word, and she tells Ian to put all the drones into passive mode, um, the the standard <laughs> um, d- delay mode for, for all drones. And uh, Ian kind of argues, like, we've been working for this, but Margo's like, oh, no, she gave his word. So, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, we get back to Chloe, who receives the information from the disc, but says that she begins to say that she has no time to really decode said disc. Um, Adrian calls Navarro, who assures him that he's taking care of Jordan. Adrian then calls Chloe, and, tell, and he tells her that he's working on something new and he wants her to join. Uh, Adrian's very busy off-screen, apparently. He's doing all kinds of things, even though he's just kind just of... Just walking the streets, stay, walking the streets. On his phone. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's doing a lot of multitasking on his uh, his Android or whatever. But Chloe says she's busy. She's doing something with Jack, and she'll get back to him. She's, she's not happy with Adrian, it seems. We then get to Audrey, who learns about what Heller is... Uh, she, she's found the letter in Heller's office. She realizes, and that she realizes that Mark's known about this all along. She kind of freaks out. She's pretty furious uh, for not being able, you know, for not being told. Mark then, you know, he states how her father's the greatest man he ever knew, um, and he wanted to, you know, be honorable to him. 
Audrey then asks, like, who's Heller Whiff that's, you know, taking him, taking him away? And, uh, Mark responds, someone he trusts. Now, wouldn't it be obvious that it's, like, who else would it be in that scenario? Wouldn't it be Jack, wouldn't it obviously be Jack Bauer? Wouldn't she be able to figure that out? Probably. Yeah. Seemed like a little bit of a, a weird blind spot that was like, who's the one person that my father would trust on this day that's, like, randomly come back into the scenario that's helped us in all, all this time with the plot? But we'll see, we'll see where Audrey goes from here. Um, Regardless, we get back to Jack and Heller, who've landed their helicopter safely and sound. Um, Heller Heller tells Jack, as I've easily assumed was going to happen from the start, that he's got a pardon. Um, Jack is Jack is a little conflicted about accepting said pardon for all of his actions, including the ones from today, which seems like a pretty sweet deal. But uh, I'm sure Jack will frame it and put it on a wall somewhere anyway, because that's... he's not in it for the pardon. It's going in his drawer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he'll, he'll put it in his binder. He has a binder with, like, eight other presidential pardons. His portfolio. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's like, you want to know why I'm right for this job at Red Lobster? Here's my portfolio <laughs> of presidential pardons. <laughs> we, get, uh, we get Chloe calling Jack. She says she thinks she can, you know, do what she needs to, but she needs more time to decrypt the, you know, the the uh, the disc with all the stuff on it. To, uh, what would it be doing? Just be disabling the drones? Like, is that the idea? I think I could, yeah, disable yeah. Take she control was, of them or something. She was hacking some. She's of them. trying to hack, yeah, based on Navid's like codes for, yeah. So she says she needs more time, but no, Heller's like, no, it's it's too late. We got to go. And so Heller walks to the field, walks out to the middle of the field, stands in the the very empty but very brightly lit Wembley Stadium, takes a takes his last walk over there. Um, Ian, he's piloting a drone over to Wembley Stadium. He and Margot see that Heller's really there. They have facial recognition software recognition software on the. Uh, on the drone, they confirm that it is the president. And Margo says, let me do this. She takes the control of the drone, and from there, she fires a missile, and it just directly impacts the field with uh, Heller standing right there on it. Um, I'd say cut to silent clock, but for some reason, we did not get one of those this episode. And uh, we, uh, we close it out there. I have um, two thoughts about why it wasn't a silent clock. Yep. My first thought is that it was sort of a metaphor for the, the how far away the people who murdered Heller were. Sort of a, how impersonal it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. And then how rote it was. My other theory, and I'm this I'm far less keen on, but it's sort of just what conspiracy theory is, somehow Jack and Chloe and Heller put together a plan to uh, reroute the drone's cameras, and Heller wasn't really there, and he's going to be alive. But I don't yeah, I did. It was, it was definitely weird. It didn't, it didn't feel right. It was like, was that it? That was. Well, I think that was the point. Yeah. How quickly and, mer- and and merciless and 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 uh, impersonal it was. It was just boom. There's yeah. It was no no romanticizing over it. And I mean that was that was Al Harazi's ultimate revenge. And it was just like far away, like through a camera. She just clicked a button. She wouldn't even. There's no intensity in the moment. It was just. Boom. You might as well be playing a video game. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that it was a drone. I was surprised there wasn't just some sniper set up to take him out. They used a drone maybe to, like, identify him, but not just I have think... someone, like, Or that him. they would take him into captivity and, like, that do what too. they wanted That too. That was him. another thing, yeah. I was surprised right. that I we think... just went straight to death sentence and not, but she, like... But she wanted him killed the way her husband was killed, though. Yeah. And I think thematically for the season, you know, the 20, this season of 24 is obviously taken, for the most part, an anti-drone stance. Um, to have the president of the United States killed by a drone is very uh, compelling. 
And, uh, congratulations, Cherry Jones. You are the exception to the rule. Yeah, living president somewhere. I feel like there's plenty of ways to just not even... He has to be dead. Like, I can't see him. I can't see no, he, any other way. Definitely dead. And, and I thought this was really, for the most part, an excellent episode. Because, yeah. like I was saying before, it was just... There's just this, like, tone or this aura of melancholy. Like, everyone had sort of just resigned to the fact that this was going to happen. There weren't any, like, out, majorly outlandish schemes to circumvent it. There, You know, Jack's journey from where they were stationed to the stadium was, you know, shockingly easy. He had to, like, punch one guy, and then they got in the helicopter. Yeah. And yeah. were on their way, and the whole thing it, it allowed the audience time to spend you know, the final minutes with who has been one of the best, I'd argue, characters 24 has had. What yeah. I always liked about Heller is he was always such a rational, thoughtful character. And the president on the show wasn't always that. And, you know, it was just kind of shocking. It obviously draws parallels to uh, George Mason and maybe even more so to Chappelle. Um, yeah, but in terms of, like, impossible scenarios, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like there's no way around it. I think it's interesting. Um, you know, when 24 was first on back in, in the early 2000s, killing off major characters in your TV show was far, far less common than it is now. You know, this was we've talked about this before on the podcast. 24 was one of the main shows that sort of really changed the game around the, the beginning of the new millennium and how TV plays. And so uh, in a week where a couple other shows had their finales and lots of characters died, it was it was sort of had less impact because of that. But also outside of that context, to kill the president with a, a, a drone, it was like, whoa. We um, I mean, we, we've talked about how great William William Devane has been on this uh, season. I mean, in general, he has. But in, in terms of this season, like he's certainly been giving a a, a very good, a very solid performance all the way through between his interactions with obviously Jack, Audrey, Mark, and even Stephen Fry. Um, I'm just assuming. I, I keep wanting to talk myself out of the idea that he's dead, even though there's no. It doesn't. It would. It would be a lesser show to me if he wasn't dead. I guess um, in terms of. Quality. I think it's it's one of the sadder deaths the show has done. It is. Yeah. Because a lot of deaths on the show have been in the heat of action or completely out of nowhere. But, you know, Devane was, or Heller, rather, was such a, this season in particular, such a warm, likable, empathetic character. You felt for his plight. You felt for the fact that he was sick and was losing control of his mind. And what a, like, powerful, and even though it's against, you know, what a president would ever do or could ever do, what a sort of passionate and powerful way to go out. I think, too, there's no corpse. Like, we didn't see... We didn't see a bullet to the head. We didn't see him get shot up or, you know, hit in the head hard or anything. Like, it was just a shot of ground and astroturf grass just rising exploding, up. Yeah. Exploding. I mean, we didn't, we didn't see some body blowing up or anything like that. It, it's just, I mean, that's why we question, like, really? Because, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no, like, graphic evidence. So it, it feels a little, not like we were robbed, but, you know, makes us, it's kind of sad that it's like, oh, that's, you just don't know. 
And there's okay. still, what, four episodes left? Five? Yeah. Is this four, four left. Four, four left. Yeah. Four left? Four. Okay. I have uh, some serious questions about what's going to go down in the next four episodes. Well, I think we're more and more realizing that Adrian's going to be a major player. Like, he has to be. Oh. At this point. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like if we're at the point now where we're theorizing, is that where we're at? I mean, we're, we finished talking about the episode, so we can. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like one of two things or a combination of the two things has happened. Either Margot's son is going to kill his mom and take over the drones for himself, mm. or more likely Adrian's going to get a hold of the tech Chloe was just given and take the drones for his usage, whether to sell them or decide to use them. I would certainly go with that latter option if I had to, you know, choose or, you know, feel yeah. more comfortable with a way for the show to go, just because Ian's been so ill-defined as a character beyond I'm the son that believes in what my mother's talking about. Right. I mean, there's nothing else to him. Um, right. And remember, we, like we were talking about earlier, we still have the time jump to contend with, which is going to happen. Uh, and one last thing that I have is they've been playing pretty coy about who the VP is. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have two theories. One is more realistic, and one is pie in the sky. Which do you want first? What's your more realistic? Vice President Mike Novick. Well, okay. you guys laughed at me when I said that last week. Yeah. yeah I... Now that I think about it, I'm more like, yeah, that's what's gonna happen. Because they've been, they, you know, they didn't say it. They didn't say the name, and I'm like, it's gonna be someone we know, and that's the most realistic choice. But if if it were my show, if I wrote 24. It would be Vice President Aaron Pierce. Pierce, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if that happens, I'll just be the happiest person. Be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> That'd be, uh, be something to me. You know, last thing I want to point out about the president, um, about Heller, before you go away from that. I do, like, given that he is dead now, it is neat that the show, it didn't use Alzheimer's as much of a... It contrived plot device as much as just a way of reasoning certain aspects. Like we didn't get to like scenes where the pre- where you had to deal with the president suddenly losing his memory or whatever because and then he can't do a certain thing a certain way or something. Like I've, in a more cliched sense, akin to what Jordan went through this episode, we didn't we never really had a chance to go through that kind of contrived they plotting. It, they use it as ice for us to feel his sacrifice and die. yes, yeah. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because leading up to this episode. For the most part, it felt like, you know, something that they wrote in to make him a more sympathetic and complex character. But I think the actions, his actions in this episode sort of recontextualizes the choice to give him Alzheimer's because it allows us as an audience and Heller as a character to understand and accept why he would be willing to go through with the sacrifice. So it, it's clear to me that there was an end game with the Alzheimer's, and now that I understand it, I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty smart character writing, and not something they just tacked on. It's the kind of thing that makes me appreciate 24 for the kind of show that it's you know currently being, and that it can be at its best because it is defying certain conventions, it is going against the grain in certain aspects, while still committing to certain things that you've seen in other times. But I bring this up because you see a show like Homeland, where I like Homeland, but one, it's first season, which is spectacular. I love the first season of Homeland, but that and it's because it's from what the producers or show is it writers yeah, produ- like it's the producers a lot of the same people involved in twenty four a lot of people the Showtime and I think Homeland got a lot of credit for just being like it's it's like twenty four but smarter and I we we don't need to talk about where Homeland's twenty four meets the wire yeah, yeah 
we, and we don't need to go talk about where Homeland's gone since then, but at the same time, I just like, I, I feel like 24 is almost getting undercredited for the kind of intelligence it does bring to its series in a lot of cases, and I think that's very evident in, in this season in particular. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a question. Yeah. When you guys, when, when Jack was asking the president to come, you know, I, we need one more person in on this, someone you trust, I thought it was going to be Stephen Fry. I, <laughs> I didn't think Mark. So I was I a little surprised I, when it was Mark. I thought it was, was going to be Mark's like assistant with the throaty voice. He seemed to be in on it. Like he's in to be. Yeah, he, he did come in on it. I was like, oh, okay, but that's who I, I thought he would circumvent Mark. Or at that point, I was expecting Secret Service agent Aaron Pierce. To show. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, I've been in the bathroom the whole time. What's going on? <laughs> Just hanging out. I was walking around London. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Um, all right, so I just started my shift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the evening shift. I think we've kind of uh, t- talked about our thoughts on the episode as a whole, but I do think I do think it is a pretty terrific episode of twenty four, especially for its twenty two hundredth episode, no less. Hundred, I, I would put it up there, you know, maybe in the top, you know, twenty to twenty five episodes. Um, it has a couple big flaws, like the Jordan stuff, but the overall impact and the way they handle the Heller character, I think, is pretty top-notch stuff. Sure. Yeah, and I think that to put the strength of the season as a whole, I think a couple of the times, including this episode, I thought the episode was definitely a contention for an all-timer episode, which speaks to the strengths of the season. Well, I think the word that I keep using, I think we've talked about this, is intimacy. You know, everything this season, even though we're dealing with drones and the fate of London, there's, you know, uh, relatively few characters... And it's the drama is contained, and that's allowing each moment to have just a little more impact than it would if we were jumping all over the place, you know, as we would have in earlier seasons. Like, I feel like, not to hark on the point too much, but if this was a 24-episode season of 24, we would have spent more time with John and more time, you know, in the, the warehouse with the arms dealer and more time with Badger or whatever that character's name was. Yeah, definitely more outside storylines yeah. that linger. Right, and by cutting that, it, 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 it allows the strengths to shine brighter. For sure. Let's, um, I don't even know what to do for the mole watch this week, but, um. But I think we're past, past it that. It seems like we are. I'd like to stick to our Does anyone else have VP theory? So let's do VP theory watch. VP theory I, watch, alright. I, uh, I'll stick with my Mike Novick one from last week, which is now being taken seriously. Uh, well, I don't know who's left. Like, what other returning characters could there be? Tony Almeida is the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> I can no, I can go along with the Mike Novak call. Okay, I'll see what. We still have a Palmer alive. Do we? Yeah, Sister Palmer. Oh, oh okay. Oh my goodness! But <laughs> they they said it was a man. Is it Powers Booth again? He's back. well. At, if they hadn't said he so many times, I would have thought. What, Karen, Karen Hayes, is that right? Is that the name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe there will be a twist in it to her, but I, they kept saying he, he, he. Yeah, they did laugh a lot. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, move on. Let's get to what we're going to talk, what what the episode's next, what, what's next week's episode about, uh, Brand? Next week, Jack and Chloe have a plan in place to eliminate the terrorist threat before any more attacks rock London. With no time to spare, Jack and Kate pursue crucial leads in an attempt to gain the upper hand on the intense circumstances. And for a second here. Yeah. That's my silent clock for Heller saying the events will occur in real time. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, with that said, we are now nearing the end of our transmission for this week. So feel free to email us, as I said before, jcadventurecast at gmail.com, or, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and at Facebook at jcadventurecast and slash jcadventurecast. 
And you can find this show, along with many other shows, over at hhwled.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our podcast, along with other podcasts, including the other one that I host, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, which is a film podcast. And, of course, the Icapod Crane cast, which returns this fall, where Brandon Maxwell and I will be talking about Sleepy Hollow and shows about comics and games and fun stuff like that. And with that said, where can people find more of your guys' work? Brandon? Well, you can find my work on my blog, The Naptown Nerd, which is naptownnerd.blogspot.com. Um, also, I write for whysoblue.com, and you check out my Blu-ray reviews and editorials. And as the official 24 Twitter knows, I'm at BT Peters. Maxwell? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemaxwell, or check out my website, cinemaxwell.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. And you can find my personal blog at thecodazeek.com. All my written movie review, all my written movie reviews are there, as well as at whysoblue.com, where I also write blue reviews. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna do it for this week's <clears throat> episode of 24, of the Jack and Chloe Adventure Cast. And until next time, Brandon, do you have a fun fact for us? I sure do. Tony was once shot in the neck, rushed to the hospital, underwent emergency surgery, and was back on the job in just a few hours. Jack Bauer still can't believe that Pansy went to the hospital first. All right, thank you for that. <laughs> Good night.